Oncology Systems Limited are the leading provider of radiotherapy ancillary equipment in the UK and Ireland. Serving the community for over 22 years, we pride ourselves on exceptional service and quality products. Please take a moment to visit our website, www.osl.uk.com, and take a look at our product line, which include macromedics for patient immobilisation and IBA dosimetry for all your radiotherapy quality assurance needs. We are more than happy to take your questions, so please do get in touch via our website or email inquiry at osl.uk.com and one of our specialist team will be available to assist you. Hello everyone and welcome to RadChat, the first therapeutic radiographer-led oncology podcast. Welcome to a bonus episode. My name is Naaman Jorka-Anderson and I'm joined by my fellow host Joe McNamara. Hi everyone! So we're very pleased to introduce our guest uh, for today. So that's Dr. Lizzie Stamp, who will be discussing her career today and her research with teenage and young adult brain cancer patients. Um, so hi, Lizzie. How are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me. That's all right. Could you tell us a bit about yourself and your current role? Yeah. Um, so my current role is um, a lecturer at Loughborough University in physical activity and health. So this involves um, obviously lecturing in the topic, but also doing research in the area as well. Um, And specifically um, with the research that I've been doing uh, touches um, on this uh, population of teenagers uh, living with and beyond a cancer diagnosis. So the core of my um, research is like that behaviour change uh, research. Um, And then this is a population that um, over working on other projects have started to gain interest in and it's something that I've wanted to kind of lead on myself and um, look at ways of supporting this population. So um, yeah, my background initially is sport and exercise science and then um, realised how much I enjoyed kind of that health aspect, that exercise and physical activity aspect and generally just helping people to lead the best um life they can in terms of like increasing their quality of life um so that's kind of where i started with sport and exercise and then moved on to a phd sticking with like this behavior change looking at a weight loss journey um, and how mental toughness plays a role in that weight loss journey and then it was after that that i got um my first post within oncology and with research in the area and it's something that um really became quite passionate about and um found it really interesting topic to research and we're specifically looking in this case at adults that were living with and beyond cancer and looking five years after that diagnosis what was going on um in terms of like their physical activity levels their quality of life their well-being their finances and lots of different things like that to see uh, one are they different to the general population um i guess as we all get older we all get a few more aches and pains etc but kind of like how big are these differences where is the more support that's needed to try and like tailor future support um so yeah that was a first experience in kind of that oncology research which was at um saint james's hospital and at leeds university as well um and then i've always had a passion of um, working with the younger population and done some research with uh, like obesity prevention so once I got this role at Loughborough, it was a perfect opportunity because you start to direct your own research of combining that sport and exercise, that oncology and that health. And that's kind of um, led to where I am today and kind of how I've ended up researching in this area as well. 
Daisy, what inspired you to get into research? Um, so I really enjoyed researching at uni um, and I enjoyed, like, I say enjoyed writing the essays. I think at times I didn't, but I kind of like that concept of researching things, putting it all together, writing it up, etc. Um, so I knew it was something that I was passionate about and it um, was one of my lecturers that also said you should continue to research um, in like sport and exercise science and I think that really motivated me to think oh I can do it because um, I guess when you come out of uni it's such a big world you're not always too sure what you're going to go on and do. Um, so that was when I was studying at the University of Hull and then that first year after my undergraduate studies um, I was coaching um, children. I'd done it all the way throughout my undergraduate degree as well, um, on weekends and evenings at um, a local gym, and also um, going in to primary schools to deliver physical activity and like PE lessons um, whilst the teacher for the classroom would be doing their planning. So you go in and you take a different class and deliver the um, PE lessons. And I just really, I obviously enjoyed working with the children but it also I had this doubt in my mind should I have been a primary teacher and it really confirmed that I shouldn't because trying to get 30 children to all do the same thing at once is a lot harder than it looks so um I think it was a really important experience because in the back of my mind I was thinking should I go into teaching I'd thought that at undergrad as well or should I continue researching and even though it then took, obviously, from undergraduate, a year of delivering in primary schools, etc., um, to get on a PhD. So I had, like, one academic year doing that and then was lucky enough to secure the PhD um, funding. It was actually so valuable because now I know that I didn't want to do that and it's much easier to try and get a group of 200 adults <laughs> that you're lecturing to do what you want them to do than just 30 children in one room. So, yeah, that's... Um, how I ended up, I guess, going into kind of the research route after my undergraduate degree. What does a normal day look like for you? I think research is so varied, doesn't it? And what do you normally do on a daily basis? Um, so, yeah, it can vary a little bit. In um, semester time, it, it can be a bit heavier with the teaching. But uh, like now, where um, there's not as much teaching going on, it's really nice to get going with um, the research. So I guess every day is kind of a little bit different as well, but in general, um, kind of working with other colleagues, whether that be to develop ideas to go and research and like collaborating, or maybe there's already projects um, and along the way, hitting challenges, working out those things such as ethics. So if we want to work with people, with patients, we need to have somebody check that we're not going to... Um, I guess cause harm to participants or ourselves, uh, writing up papers and also working with external people like yourselves and other organisations and communicating um, with those. Um, so yeah, quite varied I'd say in the research and also a fair bit of admin and financially type things as well when you've got funding and stuff. So um, yeah, certainly the best part's kind of the actual doing the research, dealing with the people, the patients, etc. But then the behind the scenes stuff does take quite a lot of time um, to get through, I guess. So Lizzie, do you want to tell us a bit about the research project that you're involved in at the moment? Yeah, so um, at the minute we're um, currently doing like the very early stages of a um, 
research project. So I know you have a range of listeners uh, and just to clarify like when we want to do projects we've got to kind of go and find the money to um, get to do those projects and support doing those projects. So this is some really early research um, before we start applying for that money and uh, what we're wanting to do is talk to teenagers and young adults, so people that received a diagnosis of cancer between the ages of 13 and 19. Um, talk to those people, but you can be up to age 24 because you can still remember like quite well back then. There may still be like impacts on life that you want to talk about. Um, but we specifically decided to focus on this teenage population um, just because they're a little bit more similar than probably not gone into employment yet still kind of in that school setting likely maybe in the um, at home still as well so they're quite a similar population um in that age group and what we're wanting to do is talk and hear about how um this population spend their free time so what is it that they do do they like to go out and about do they like to kind of um stay at home maybe watch the tv and ultimately, we're wanting to try and identify like what is it that makes this population want to be active, want to move around a bit more, want to engage in physical activity, and what stops them as well. So even though the topics are about exercise, or more physical activity actually, we're not just wanting to talk to people that are active, we actually really want to hear from the people who don't really like doing activity because we want to know why and is there any way we can help overcome those barriers but equally people that are active maybe you've had barriers and overcome them maybe there's things that motivate you so this research is to really try and understand with this population kind of what um helps them to be more active and what stops them being um active um and then also kind of the implications as well of the um living with and beyond cancer so for example physical activity can help with um issues with sleep disturbances or fatigue or well-being or quality of life so kind of seeing what is it that that you'd want to get out of this activity uh, being more active is it peer support and meeting and talking to people is it helping with sleep because at the end of the day even though where the researchers um, the actual population of the expert of what's needed so we really want to make sure that what we're trying to do will really help them and not what we think will help them um, and equally we really want to um, talk to the parents of this population to get their perspective and have a look at how the whole families may be a little bit impacted in terms of like their activities and their free time so yeah I'd say um to sum it up, it's talking, it's an online interview or a telephone call um, for up to one hour just to discuss how free time spent, thoughts on like leisure activities, being active and what type of things they'd want in an intervention, would it be when they're kind of on treatment, after treatment and just kind of trying to pin all of this down. And then as a thank you, there's also um, a £10 incentive of a voucher that can be given to um, say thank you for the time. So we're interested to hear from that teenage population up to 24 and also parents or like primary caregivers as well. And then we'll take this these findings and hopefully apply for some money to help develop that intervention to support this population. When you talk about activity, just for I think my own understanding, is it just exercise you talk about? Was there other activities that you would include in it? Include in it, sorry. 
Yeah, I think that's a brilliant question and really good to clarify for everybody. So um, this, when we refer to activity, uh, we're not talking about going out and uh, running a marathon or doing like a netball match or a football match or anything. Um, people may do that and that's brilliant. Um, when we uh, look at activity at the minute, um, kind of just moving more. So whether that's uh, moving a bit more around the house, getting in the garden and maybe doing some gardening or having a walk up the street or it just breaking up that sedentary behavior maybe when the adverts come on just getting up off the sofa having a little pace sitting back down it could be that low level all the way through to going out for longer walks and um, I know you're an ambassador of um, 5k my way is that right yeah 5k your way um, or 5k your way <laughs> <laughs> 5k your way that's it um where it's people that are then from this population going out and running 5k which is excellent whether well i say running walking running however you want to get through 5k is completely uh fine in that it's a really supportive environment i said i think i'd crawl my 5k <laughs> oh you'd crawl it <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you can call it too. <laughs> I think you could do anything. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be joining you. Um, so, yeah, it's um, it, it could be all the way through up to like that level of activity. So we're literally on about anything that involves just moving more. Um, because I guess every step, every movement really counts to help the individual um, reduce the chance of getting other diseases like diabetes etc can help with like well-being can help with sleep with quality of life and just so much broader factors just getting outdoors in the fresh air as well um so yeah activity kind of just anything that involves that movement why are you so passionate about this i can really tell you want this to work and find things out what what drives you with it um i think it's twofold really so certainly doing the um research and the work experience that I've had in terms of like employment, working on projects, etc. Um, is motivated me to be passionate about it, to kind of help people live the best life that's possible in their situation. So if we can help to get people more active and lead a little uh, bit of better quality of life and like add a bit more value to like their life. And then that's something that I really value. Um, to help with like mental health, to help with physical health. So certainly like from a career perspective, um, and then also from the personal perspective, um, a close friend of mine, younger brother, fell into that TYA category when he had a cancer diagnosis. And just really seeing the impact that that diagnosis had, not just on him, but siblings, parent, and just seeing that and thinking like, I really want to help with this population obviously i'm not an oncologist that can do the chemo the radio etc um i'm like the psycho oncologist uh, i had worked within oncology a little bit and exercise and just thinking like their life kind of just ended up living in the hospital quite a lot and just no physical activity no exercise then impacts the well-being impacts kind of uh relationships with others around them and just seeing like how it kind of can grow and um, often you can just think of the patient and really realizing like the wider implications and it was just something that I thought I think this is something that I'd really like to help with and I think that just motivated the passion and um, to kind of move to this younger age group and really try and help them because 
like they're very very early stage of um like their life um so just kind of trying to offer that support is something and I think this is something I'm looking forward to finding out in the interviews in terms of there is big impacts on family and talking to the parents as well but actually does this population want an activity where they're going out with their family and it benefits the family or maybe do this population want some time away from their family because they're surrounded by them constantly in hospital and at home and actually they want to connect with other people in a similar situation or even just really reintegrate back to where they were before type thing so really finding out should the approach be for the teenager or family focused or maybe like the family need a separate intervention so it's so early on I kind of feel not too sure exactly what direction it'll go in but certainly yeah just feeling like you can help that population I think as a in your teenage years as well people struggle with trying to fit in anyway don't they so then to have a cancer diagnosis on top of that that peer support I mean I'm sure that'll come from it um, I mean, I hope it does, but, you know, being around people like you who are going through similar experiences, even if they are in their early 20s, they can reflect on what they went through. And I'm sure they'd have had a similar experience. But also, I suppose, their carers and parents. That's something we don't always consider. And there's a theme on this podcast quite a lot. It's talking about the bystander effect, but the impact on the people around you and actually teenage kind of people going through cancer or younger people going through cancer. Lots of the decisions are made by the parents as well. Obviously, they're letting the kids know, aren't they? But that's kind of how it happens. So it'd be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I think certainly that social support aspect is something that um, kind of want to incorporate with the physical activity element. Um, because, yeah, like you say, just talking to someone else through that population. Um, and I was talking to a teenage cancer nurse the other day and she said how, like, suddenly you're just surrounded by people that are a lot older than you like your parents your nurses or healthcare professionals and just getting to somebody of your age again is like a lot for the um patients so yeah definitely peer support is something that we wanted to touch on as well when we talk to people so how would people get into exercise more um yeah so um in terms of if they're wanting to get into exercise and activity, um, personally, the research I've done today um, on exercise um, hasn't been with the uh, teenage cancer population yet, with this being the early stage, but there's certainly applications from other work that I can take. Um, and I think it's kind of just like that concept of um, moving more and um sometimes obviously people set um quite specific goals of what they want to achieve etc but at this point um of going through cancer treatment for uh, for example it's really important i guess to listen to your body like some days if you're having a day that is i guess um a day where your body really isn't up to exercise that's okay and that is fine and then the days when you are up to it exercising um and I guess um, another thing is um, some people um, that we'd talk to, for example, were not quite sure if they could exercise or not. So not being scared to ask like that healthcare professional, can I exercise? Can I be active? Kind of what should I be doing? Um, and equally, there's um, different programmes and support, such as like the Move Charity or Trek Stock and things like that out there that are really specific for exercise and they're trained in like supporting. 
Um, I understand, for example, healthcare professionals are incredibly busy people. So maybe they don't always have the chance to go through the ins and outs, but mentioning these organisations or referring can then open up a lot of opportunities for the um, this population to then have the opportunity to be a bit more active. Um, and I guess it's, yeah, kind of that maybe those more open goals are a bit more suitable than really trying to get to set points because you might potentially have a setback that you would hadn't accounted for. Um, and doing it if you can with other people as well, like that motivation and as we just mentioned, peer support. If you're going for a walk on your own versus with someone else, um, like that motivation to get out the door, you're going for a walk, you said you'd go with somebody as well. Um, do you do any exercise, Lizzie? Uh, yeah, um, I do do exercise. Um, my sports netball that I play and then do some running as well. Um, and certainly I have to try and remind myself and I, I have to sometimes say to my next door neighbour, shall we run tonight? And then once I've said it, I've got to go because it is hard sometimes to get out the door and make yourself go running when you've got other things on. It's sometimes difficult to prioritise it if you know you've got to get some work done or you've got other jobs to do and stuff so I certainly believe for anyone that kind of peer support element of just going with somebody else is um really good for kind of getting you to get out the door the only other thing I was going to say was about um again like I said like just them open goals so often like myself and I think this would be applicable to the population is I'll just say just go out the door see how you feel if you're tired come home rather than saying you've got to go out and run 5k for example and then often once you get out and have them first few minutes you're like oh yeah I'm really enjoying this and then you can keep if you've decided to go for a walk walking it's kind of just little tips like that to I guess just make you make them first few steps out of the door. Yeah I think the goal setting is really important I suppose what you've kind of mentioned about just getting out the door sometimes is enough that's probably the same to advise healthcare practitioners who maybe don't exercise as much I think I've worked with colleagues who won't feel as brave to discuss exercise because they don't do exactly as you say they don't go and run a 5k or a marathon every other week or something like that I think that's quite challenging as well are there any sort of resources and stuff you could I don't know we could link to for people maybe like that who aren't as confident around exercise um I guess the ones that jump to mind with that question would be ones like the um move charity that offer like support um and then also like trekstock that offers support for the population um of like people living with and beyond cancer and specifically with teenagers and then also the 5k um your way as well in terms of like healthcare professionals signposting people to um resources for being active um I think that's a really good point in terms of the the healthcare professionals actually getting the knowledge. Um, so I've actually currently um, got a survey underway to kind of see how healthcare professionals, literally those questions you said, asking how confident they're feeling discussing physical activity, um, how often they bring it up, how often is it brought up by the patient, and also um, collecting like healthcare professionals views of who they think the responsibility kind of would fit with to talk about these topics um, and then I guess ultimately that could inform um, 
where the information would kind of sit. So I don't really have an answer at the minute for uh, healthcare professionals seeking the information other than the likes of looking at like the research articles, NHS guidance, etc. But from this survey, I think it'll be really interesting to kind of find how often it's brought up by them, by the patient, their confidence, their barriers to discussing it have also assessed. Um, and also their views on what would help them discuss it, so whether it is providing more knowledge. So following this survey, the next step is to then try and work out where we need to place these resources and what is it that's maybe stopping the healthcare professionals having the knowledge and how we can overcome it. Um, so hopefully I can give a better answer to that soon once the survey. I was just going to say, Lizzie, we need to connect. <laughs> Sounds very similar to some research I'm doing at the moment. <laughs> oh really oh, i'll have to catch you after yeah we're looking at um prehabilitation and rehabilitation and the advice and support that therapeutic radiographers give um to their patients and also um working with macmillan doing prosper so we've looked at again prehabilitation and rehabilitation and the confidence levels of healthcare professionals to give advice um so yeah we need to connect <laughs> Oh, that sounds really interesting. And what did you find with the confidence levels? Were they... They're doing it at the moment, so uh, results aren't published yet. But oh, yeah, okay. imminent, imminent. <laughs> oh, that sounds really interesting and really valuable. There you go, Joe. Got another research project probably together for you to work on. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, thank you very much for coming on, Lizzie. Um, it's really, really informative. It'd be great to link to probably your survey results in the future. Um, maybe we can get you back on um just to discuss it that would be great but yeah um thank you for everyone for listening to rad chat so your hosts that's okay <laughs> your hosts today have been uh naming joe Cranston and joe mcnamara um so yeah huge thank you to dr lizzie stamp um if you're utilizing this podcast for cpd purposes consider the reflective questions posted along with the links to resources and literature we've discussed to receive your accredited cpd certificate please complete the google form uh, linked with the podcast uh, so yeah thanks very much for listening and take care